It's great to just be in God's presence and to experience his love this morning. You'll hear more of that in a minute. If you were able to be with us last week, Easter Sunday, you'll have heard John Groves reminding us and stirring us up with the fact that what God has done in Jesus is good news, not good advice. Isn't that good? Good news, not good advice. It's not just another addition to the barrage we get telling us of how we should live. It's actually good news about something God has done that can change us for eternity. Good news. And the, if, you, if you weren't here and you haven't heard it, I, I recommend you, really, uh, go online, listen to it on our website. It will do you good. It will do you good. And the good news about the good news is that it's for everyone. Well, and it's good news, yes. But we could go on a long time like that. The good news about the good news is it's for everyone, everywhere. It's an open offer, an open invitation. You see, God is on a mission, but not for world domination. God could dominate the world if he wanted. It's all his. God's mission is not world domination. It's world rescue. It's world salvation. He is on a mission to rescue this lost and broken world of ours. So this week, we're going to begin a new short series, which is looking at how we can share in that mission of God, in that rescue mission of God, and how he has provided power for us to be able to do just that. And it's called Power for You. How about that? So are you plugged in? Are you ready? Batteries are included in this one. See, God's rescue mission is not going to be carried out by special forces, by experts, although we need those special forces and experts. God's rescue mission is too big for that, and it needs to be carried out by boots on the ground. His body, and that's all of us, me and you, all of us together, we are involved in bringing about God's rescue mission. And that's what this series is about. And uh, we as an eldership, we're expecting that God is going to do something fresh among us through this. We're expecting God to challenge us afresh. God to remove obstacles in our lives. For God to empower us afresh. We're looking for an amen in your hearts that says, you know, I could do that with God's help. I could do that with God's help. It's amazing what God can do with very little. But the place we have to start whenever we think about reaching out is with what is at the heart, the very heart of God's rescue mission. The very motivation for reaching out which goes to the very heart of God himself. And that is the power of love. Now, some of you may be wanting to break out into a song. Please don't. Uh, this is a slight warning. There is a, sort of, there is a little bit of a song thing going on here this morning. So, uh, you know, just, just be warned. <laughs> but the power of love, which is at the very heart of God. And I want to start with a verse that probably most of you know 
very, very well from the Bible. And it's this one. John chapter 3 verse 16 says this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, if, like me, you know that verse very well, it can tend to sort of wash over you a bit, can't it? We all know it. Many of us could recite it. And it tends to lose a little bit of its impact. And when I was chewing it over and thinking about it, I found it helpful just to sort of rearrange it a bit. Not to change the sense of it, but to bring it home to me. So I don't know if this will help you, but I'll share it with you. God loved the world so much that he didn't want anyone to perish. That's his heart. God loved the world so much that he didn't want anyone to perish. So he sent his son so that everyone who believes in him could have eternal life. God loved the world. Not the church, though he does love the church. Not me, though he does love me. Not just you, though he does love you. God loves the world. Can you catch something of the bigness of his heart. We must never forget that his mission and our mission is about people. He is a people God. Now perhaps you, like me, have, uh, have been through, maybe have endured some courses, some plans, some training on uh, how to reach out to others, training in evangelism. Anybody been there? Yes, oh dear, yes, that's a few. Well, I, I, I just want to release you today. Uh, and if this works for any one person here today, it's worth doing. I just want to say, if you're a Christian here today, it's quite likely that you are not called to be an evangelist. Most of us are not called to be evangelists. You know that, don't you? Be free. You're not. We need evangelists. And we should have evangelists, and some people are, but most of us aren't called to be evangelists. The other piece of news I got for you is this. If you're a Christian here today, we are all called to be witnesses. We are all called, without exception, to be those who can tell what they know. That's what witnesses do. They just tell you what they know, what they've seen, what they've heard. So let me be generous and say, training may be of some value, but the real key is love. The real key is love. Without love, our efforts to reach out can turn into programs. Our friends can turn into projects. And actually, that's not God's heart. God's heart is about reaching, about, uh, reaching out to people. So when we shared with the church recently that we are looking to start a site in the north of Winchester, that's not a project. Yes, there'll be lots of things to do, but actually at its heart is we want to reach more people. We want to reach more people in the north of Winchester. We want to reach more people here at the MBC. People are at the heart and love is at the heart of what we are about and what God is about. So let's ask the question, first question, what, if love is so important, what does love look like? Well, it seems to me, having lived on this planet a little while, 
that our world, our culture is very confused about love. Very confused about love. So some of you like me will have lived through the 60s where we had the summer of love and we were all hippie and wonderful and peace and the Beatles sang, all you need is love. But that didn't end so well really. So then we got into the 70s where we got sickly sickly cartoons love is love is and we had Roxy Music if some of you remember that singing love is the drug but that didn't work so well either really now I asked a number of young people what contemporary songs are there about love that I could put up here and I've got to tell you I asked probably about four or five and I got different answers from everybody And my conclusion is this, we're more confused than ever we were. So where can we look to find out what love really is? Because our God created need, God made us to want love, needs to be met. And human love is a wonderful thing, but the truth is that our need for love is only ever fully met in God and in Him. We can perhaps be so bombarded by these different ideas of love that we can miss actually what real love goes on day by day acts of real love wonderful love that actually show that even though we're broken the mark of God's image is is still in us you may have noticed I don't know if you did recently there was a French police officer Arnold Beltram a man who came to faith at the age of 33 who actually offered to swap for a hostage that was being held by an IS gunman. The result of that was he was shot in the rescue mission and he died at the age of 45. That's an act of love. And yet we so easily, easily miss it in our world. And it's an amazing act of love that points to something else. The Bible tells us what love really is in very simple terms this is how we know what love is Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay our lives down lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters the Bible tells us this this is real love this is real love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins you want to know what love is that's what love is that's real love real love is of course not just an emotion it leads to action it's not selfish it's about giving God loved so much he gave Jesus we read often was moved by compassion not to burst into tears although he wept but he was moved by compassion to do something to act And God shows us that the action of love is a selfless sacrifice for the sake of someone else. So if you want to explore what love really looks like, and you won't get this in many other songs, spend some time exploring what God has done for us in Jesus. Spend some time exploring who God is and what he's like. Spend some time looking at Jesus. Because God just, it's not that God does love, God is love he is our definition and as we know 
and perhaps cue another song, love changes everything. Oh, there's one or two on the verge. <laughs> love changes everything. If you've ever traveled in an aeroplane, you may recognize this. If you've ever sat there trying to get to sleep while the steward or stewardess drones on and says, in the unlikely event of a sudden loss of cabin pressure, oxygen masks will drop down from the panel above your head. Secure your own mask before helping others. Well, I don't know about you, I've never actually been in a situation where that's happened. But that advice is relevant to more than oxygen masks. Why? Well, the Bible tells us. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. It sounds obvious, perhaps, but we need to get it that we are not equipped to love others with the love of God until we have experienced the love of God, until we know it ourselves. So it's not an indulgence, it's not a selfish luxury as we did this morning, to luxuriate in the love of God, to soak in the love of God. It's a vital necessity. Love is the oxygen of the kingdom. Why are we prepared to spend ourselves, to spend time worshipping God together on our own? Why do we want to spend time talking with God, thinking about him, encountering him? Because when we experience his presence... It changes us. It changes us. The Bible speaks about us looking at God. And as we look at him, we are changed bit by bit into more of what he is like. That's a wonderful process. That's what's going on week by week as we meet here, as we worship him. As we do it as we in our, in our lives, day to day, we are becoming more and more like him. We become what we worship. We absorb his love. We become more convinced. So here's a couple of good questions for us to ask ourselves as we begin this series. Am I really convinced that God loves me? You might say, yes, that's great. I don't know about you. I need to kind of ask myself that question more often because I forget. <laughs> because things happen and I, I get distracted. I need to remind myself not of a head knowledge, but where it counts. Am I experiencing and receiving the Spirit afresh? Listen to this description of Paul that Paul writes of receiving the Spirit from the Passion Translation. You did not receive a spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. You hear that? You did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Abba, Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers to our inner being 
you are God's beloved child. Wonderful. That's the truth. That's the truth. You see, we need to know the love of God because we're all broken to some extent, greater or lesser, and the love of God makes us whole, heals us. We need to know the love of God for ourselves because, folks, you can't give away what you haven't got. You can't give away what you haven't got. Now, I know we live in an age of credit cards where we all spend money we haven't got, or maybe we haven't got on us. But, you know, in love, you can't give away what you haven't got. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. For it's Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. The love of Christ, as Paul puts it in other versions, compels us. Why? Because we are convinced that he died for all, for the world. Not just for me, though he did die for me. Not just for you, though he did die for you. But for all the world. Us here, those who are outside. Are you convinced? Am I convinced of that? You see, I think that's a real challenge to my attention. The focus of my attention in my life. I find that anyway. Our culture is very individualistic, isn't it? It's all about me. It's all about me. <laughs> but it's not. You know, the heart of God is he died for all. He died for everyone, not just me and you. And truly experiencing the love of God, as we do that, will start to turn us outwards from ourselves to others. You know, we love to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We don't talk very much about the baptism in the Holy Spirit that leads people to witness their faith with great boldness. That one seems to get lost off the list, doesn't it, sometimes? <laughs> but it's there. The Holy Spirit has come to help us as we turn outwards. So what should we do? Well, give, as Jesus said, as freely as you have received or as some of us will remember well cue another song freely you have received Tony's nodding freely give song we used to sing Jesus said these words actually not, not about what we feel but about what we do he had just sent his disciples out with this command heal the sick raise the dead cure those with leprosy cast out demons give as freely as you have received. I want just to take a moment's pause for us to think a little bit about how have we received? We've already heard God reminding us this morning about the way he gives to us. Not in a miserly way, not doling stuff out. God lavishes his love on us. He lavishes his love on us. Let's just pause a moment. Think about that for you. How have you received from God? How in your heart has God treated you and me? Hmm. You know, I was really struck by a phrase that Angela Kem used when she was here. 
And she said this, we love people into the kingdom. I like that. We love people into the kingdom. We don't drag them or persuade them or bash them. We love people into the kingdom. What does that love look like? Well, simply, it looks like Jesus. I'm always amazed by this fact that Jesus, the holiest person that ever walked this earth, God himself, that this Jesus attracted sinners. He attracted people who weren't holy. And sadly, we all know of of experiences where sometimes church and Christians can have the opposite effect. How can that be? How could Jesus do that? How could that happen? Well, I think it was in a sense, because of how he was with them, how he treated them, how he acted toward them, spoke to them, noticed them, noticed their cry, noticed their need. Yeah, Jesus did the big meeting thing. We all know that. Big meeting, big, great teaching, mass healings, miracles. He did the big meeting thing. But the gospel accounts are full of Jesus bumping into people chatting to people noticing people responding to their needs just talking to people as he went around and I think in one sense it's as simple and as challenging as that wherever we go whatever we do at home, at work, in the supermarket in the coffee shop, walking down the street freely you've received freely give here's some things that I uh, find challenging and that I'm trying to work with you see Jesus accepts me as I am that's it he doesn't judge me I have freely received acceptance from God that's the wonder of, of the gospel I need to give it away I need to give it away I can freely accept other people. I don't need to judge, just as Jesus has accepted me. Jesus deals with me with mercy and grace. We were singing it this morning. Showers of mercy and grace. Wonderful. What a blessing. We don't have to pedal hard. We don't have to do the right things. We have mercy and grace on our lives. Well, How can I be graceless to others then? And yet, I know you'll find this hard to believe, but I can be. I can be graceless, and yet I've received such grace. What helps me? Well, being constantly reminded of God's grace to me means that I'm more likely to be gracious to others. Jesus never wrote me off. He could have. Some people did. Jesus never wrote me off. And I shouldn't write off anyone else. No one is beyond hope. The challenge is to look with spiritual eyes. I find that. The challenge is to look to see what God is doing. Not with my own eyes. Who is near the kingdom? Who is far off? I have been far off. And he brought me near. That means... Whoever is far off can be brought near. I want to do that. Let's take a tip from Jesus. I found this interesting, actually. Do you do this? 
the people who look like they're near to the kingdom because they sort of live like Christians should. I think in the Bible you'll see them called Pharisees and scribes, doing all the right things. They may be the furthest from the kingdom. The people that don't live the way Christians should do, and I think in the Gospels they're the prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors, may be actually very near to the kingdom of God. just depends whose eyes we're looking with. Jesus took an interest in me. He noticed me. Like he noticed Zacchaeus up the tree, if you remember your Sunday school story. Jesus noticed me. He took an interest. And I need to learn to take an interest in others. But sometimes, I don't know about you, my head is full of what I'm doing. My agenda. I'm, I've got this to do. I've got this to do. It's all planned out. And I'm going from here to here and here to here. And I don't notice other people. Jesus noticed people. I need to consciously make room in my head and in my life and my home for other people and their lives. You know, a couple of years ago, I went to, to visit Willow Creek. It's a mega church in, in Chicago. Amazing place. I was with a friend of mine who leads a church in Newcastle. And I heard some, some great stuff at that conference, and I've got loads of notes. But the thing that I brought back uh, that, that has changed me most from that conference was just being with him when we went out for coffee and we went out for meals. Because he just got into these amazing conversations with strangers. Do you know the sort of conversations I mean? They're the sort of conversations that you hear about other people happening but never happen to you. Or at least they very rarely happen to me. And I watched and, and listened as he did this. And do you know what he did? He asked lots of questions. What do you do? How's that? Oh, what's happening? He, how do you feel about that? He, he actually asked, he showed an interest in people. It was amazing how people opened up and the conversation turned. And actually there were opportunities to share faith. It was an amazing experience something I need to work at. Jesus has called me to be a witness, to tell what I know. I don't need, when you get a witness in the witness box, you can't question them about everything. You can't question them about world events, and they're not there for that. They're there because they have seen and know something. That's the only thing you're allowed to ask them about. That's what a witness is. What do I know about this and that and the other? Maybe nothing. But I do know what Jesus has done in my life. And that's all I'm called to share. This is the difference he's made for me. This is how it works for me. That's all I'm called to share. And there's a wonderful lightness that comes from that. Jesus has not called me and you to save the world. Can we take that off your shoulders? He's saving the world. We are called to tell the world. That's the difference. The weight is not on my shoulders to save people. He's just called me to be a witness. There's a little verse in, uh, in Timothy where Paul is writing, and it struck me recently that, that actually this doesn't just apply to Christians. It applies to people who aren't yet Christians. And Paul says this, Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. 
perhaps, perhaps, perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. I love that. Don't you think it's great? I can gently talk to people and who knows? I don't know, but God knows. Perhaps their hearts will change and they will come to get it in the way that God has opened our eyes to get it. God is often at work in unexpected places. You know that, don't you? But because we don't know where he's at work sometimes, we just should so wildly and extravagantly the way God has given to us. Do you know the parable of the sower? Have you ever thought about that? The guy sowed the seed everywhere. On the path, in the good ground, in the rough ground. Just basically, wherever he went, he threw out the seed. I think we should be free and be like that. Wherever we go, we sow the seed of the love of God. And who knows what God will cause to spring up. It's talking about money in 2 Corinthians 9, but it applies to everything. Those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. I don't know about you, I want to see lots and lots of fruit. And what that means is I need to sow everywhere, whenever, whatever, wherever I go. You know, we can even become too focused on sharing our faith with our close friends. That's a great thing to be able to do. It's good to befriend people and earn the right to speak, but that's not always possible. Jesus did both. Friends he had and people he just met. Love means we make the most of every, every opportunity, wherever and whenever. Phil Moore says, Christians have no right to remain silent. I like that. You do not have a right to remain silent. (laughs) You have an expectation that you will be a witness. Now, I'm not talking about you giving a potted gospel to everybody you come across. I'm actually talking about loving them. Whatever that means at that moment, demonstrate the gospel. If you demonstrate the gospel, you might get a chance to explain it. But we start with just being ourselves, of just loving people, being motivated by love, being active, as we look to bless. Here's an interesting thing that uh, Phil Moore points out in his uh, commentary, a verse in Philemon that he reckons is mistranslated. It's worth having a look at. We tend to think of this as within the church, but he says it makes more sense outside the church. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. You know, I think that's true. The more you share your faith, the stronger it gets. One of the downsides of me uh, working for the church here is that it's removed what I now realize was my, my best and greatest way of interacting with people who are not yet Christians, and it's called work. That's not to say I don't work, but you know what I'm trying to say. You know, I'm still in touch with friends that uh, I had back at the place I worked for a long time. But now I have to work quite hard to find people who aren't in the church. One of the real blessings I've had is getting involved with Alpha. And, and that's been great. And what I've found is as I've thought about my faith and how to communicate it, how to try and get it across and share it in a way that means something to people, it strengthens my faith. And actually doing it is great. 
it's like, it's like preaching to yourself. It's really good. I found that to be true. Maybe. Maybe you should get involved in Alpha. It'll refresh you. It really will. In recent times, I've been more challenged about how much of my prayer time is actually spent praying for those who don't yet know Jesus and praying for boldness in my daily walk to love people. I'd encourage you, make room in your prayers. We have received freely. We can give it away. Anyone can give away love. Anyone can love someone else. We've been loved by God. And there's lots of great examples right here among us in this church. And just as we draw to a close, I want, I want to tell you this story. This is a wonderful illustration of how God's love works. I was with a young family recently. They told me this story. God has blessed this family. They are a family. That's a blessing. And they have given away that blessing by adopting a little boy. That's freely giving as they freely receive. They brought this little boy into their home. I saw him when he arrived. He was quite disturbed. He was very clingy. His eyes were frightened and bewildered. He just clung. He was also unwell. And he constantly was vomiting. He's not a well boy. He was on medication. He was under medical supervision. After being in the family for a while, the vomiting stopped. I saw him recently. He looks like a different boy. He's more confident. He's brighter. He looks happy. And they had a call from the doctor who'd been treating him who asked to see them. So at some inconvenience, they went to see the doctor and they get in there wondering quite what he's going to say. And the doctor said this to them. He said, it's quite obvious to me that this little boy didn't need medication and he didn't need medical supervision. What he needed was you. What he needed was you. And he said, I asked you to come here today because I wanted to see who had done this. Wow. I think that's amazing. I think that is amazing. An example of someone who has freely given as they've received and love changing everything healing making whole that's just one story I know lots of other stories here couples who open their home to single people to make it a home for them others who show great patience and kindness to people who don't always appreciate it others who step out to pray for people in the supermarket and the school gate and I could go on about people who serve like we've heard in so many ways cat befrienders, ARC supporters, soup service regulars you name it what am I saying? I'm saying this this is our call this is our call to love the lost to freely give away what we have freely received this is a great church doing a great lot of stuff let's keep our agenda in line with God's let's keep our heart in line with God's Jesus came to seek and save people who were lost like we were and he still wants to do it let's make our priorities his priorities so I want to just finish by encouraging you and saying do the thing that we can all do which is to give away 
freely what you have freely received. God will give you more. God's love that has come to you is meant to be given away. And he gives us more instead. We're going to close by breaking bread together. So if uh, the band could come back and if the stewards could, could get things ready. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you're welcome to join us in bread and wine. And in a sense, it's very appropriate. I hadn't planned this, but the way it's worked now, it's very appropriate for us, in light of what I said, to reflect and consider. And that's what I want to encourage you to do, to be thoughtful. We are, celebrate and rejoice in the love that God has shown to us. This is the love of God that he gave his only son. And in the light of that, we look at what we can give away. We can rejoice in his love, and yet we can give that love away to others. And I want to encourage you to think as you come up today and in the, in the time as we close in a worshipful way, Firstly this, are you receiving freely? Are you receiving freely? There's no blockage on God's side. Come and freely receive. We heard the invitation sung to us this very morning, right at the beginning, that we can come and feast. Come and receive freely. There's no shortage. There's plenty to spare. There's no dress code. Just come and receive freely. Because we can only give away what God gives us. And secondly, this, that God expects us to make use of what he gives us. We receive freely, we should give freely. What has God given you today that you could give away? Is it grace he's given you? So that you can give grace to someone else today? Is it joy? So you can lead others into joy? Is it forgiveness that you've received so that you can, receive, you can forgive others? Is it peace? There's a real shortage in our world of peace. You can give your peace away to someone else. Is it purpose and significance and meaning God's brought to your life that you could give to someone else? Have you been invited into God's family? Well, you could invite someone else. It's free. Has God been your helper? Well, you could help someone else. Has God provided for you? Maybe you could provide for someone else. Has God given you time? Maybe you're not working at the moment. Maybe you're retired. What gift has God given you that you could give away? If you've got time, there's plenty on that sheet you gave of things where you could give time. Just small amounts of time, but give in faith, invest it. You could sign up. As we reach out to different groups, we need people to give, to respond. Re is looking at reaching out to older people. We need some help with the compass. Have you got time? Could you give it away? CAP needs more people to befriend. Have you got time? Have God provided for you? Could you give it away? So many things. We, <clears throat> we need to have a clear idea of what we've got to give away. So I'd ask you, 
in a moment. I'm just going to invite you to come up, take bread and wine. Lydia and the band are going to lead us in some worship. And I just ask you to reflect on these things. Come and receive and come and think about where God is calling you to give. Father, we thank you that you didn't hold anything back, but you gave your only son. That he didn't hold anything back, he gave himself. And I pray for us as a church, Lord, that we would be those who know the love of God in our hearts and our lives. That we would be those who know the height and depth and the breadth and the length of, of your love for us, Lord. And that it would daily change us and flow out of us, Lord. We want to be those to take on your heart for all the world. Lord, we can't have a heart that big probably, but we want a bit more of yours. And I pray as we come and we take bread and wine and we remember, Lord, the greatest act of love that there's ever been, that you would inspire our hearts and empower us to commit acts of love in your name. Right across this church, I pray, Lord, there would be multiplying acts of love more than ever, Lord, and fruitfulness for your kingdom. I ask it in Jesus' name. 